did. Oh, you beat me to it. <clears throat> How's everyone doing? Life is filled with lots of decisions, choices. Like, Arizona's going to play in a little bit. Do I cheer for them or USC? Well, that's easy. <laughs> it's Arizona. Matt Chipotle, chicken, steak, barbacoa. Some, some choices are tougher. Maybe it's choices like who really is the best James Bond actor ever? Certainly not Pierce. Just, uh, it wasn't. It just wasn't. Um, or maybe is it The Bachelor or The Bachelorette that really is the best source of ridiculous comedy? Um <laughs> On TV, you know, I don't know what choices uh, you have to make in life, but you probably have some of those or some of a lot other ones. And tonight, I want to kind of look back at what we started last week. And so, if you're kind of jumping in, I'll, I'll catch you up a little bit. We started this series called "Let Hope In," realizing that God has this hope that He wants us to to have this ever expanding hope in life. And for a lot of people, we need that. And maybe sometimes that wanes in life. Maybe different circumstances or challenges or choices that we make or choices other people make that we kind of limit that. And we need more of it. We crave for that. And, and there's, the reality is this whole series is centered around some choices that we can make that begin to help us experience more of that ever-expanding, ever-increasing hope. The scripture writers in Hebrews says that we have this hope that's like an anchor for our soul. And his name is Jesus. And it's more than just a philosophy. It's more than just a way of looking at things or, you know, a moral code. It really comes down to the person of Jesus. And if maybe your first time in church or in church for a while, and I hope that tonight is just a night where you begin to, to see maybe Jesus a little bit more for who he really is and what he's really about. And, and that's really our hope, the whole series, is that each of us would kind of figure out what choices we've got to make. And we looked at one last week because here's what we said. You know, it's a new year. We want to have a new start. Everybody, you know, has maybe resolutions and things that they wish or dream and they hope for this coming year. But here's the truth. Your past kind of has a way of catching up with you, right? Your past is only your past if it's not messing with your present. And for a lot of people, their past just kind of keeps creeping in and messing with their present. But here's the good news of the gospel. It's that God's grace, and by his grace alone, our past doesn't have to catch up with us. It doesn't have to haunt or dictate what our present or future will be. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of the life that we can have, and that there is this ever-increasing hope available to you and available to me. And the first choice we looked at last week was, hey, you have a past. There's no, there's no different on that. We all have one, and it may even be like the side view mirror where its objects appear, maybe appear closer than they really are. And maybe, you know, it's just this notion that we all travel with the past, and if we don't deal with it, then it has a way of messing with our present. And we said, if you don't learn to transform your pain, then you're really just going to transfer it. That if you don't learn how to transform and have God and his, his coaching and his challenging do a work in your heart, then you're really just going to transfer that pain into other relationships and other opportunities, and it's just going to mess with you. And we said this, God is more focused on your future than he is fixated on your past. He has a hope for you, friend. 
He has a hope for me, and he wants us to continue to walk in that. And here's the choice I want us to kind of center around and drill down a little bit on, and we'll kind of look at some scripture passages. And if you have a Bible, you can go to Psalm 32. We'll get there in just a little bit. But here's the, here's the choice we have before us tonight. You can either, when you mess up, when you make mistakes, when you, you sin, when you, you have missteps in life, you can either choose the path of confession or the path of concealment. You will choose one or the other. You have a choice in that. And friends, the unhidden, honest, authentic life is far better than the life of cover-up, concealment, and hiding. My dad's here tonight. When I was about 14, he'll verify this. I went to the movies, right? I grew up, loved my dad, loved my mom, had a great family, great family. And we had one, you know, some of those house rules. Every family has them. And every kid's like, oh, I don't like that house rule. But you have some, right? You, that's the way it is. And, and our, one of our house rules is you couldn't go see an R-rated movie. You just couldn't. You weren't allowed to. It was a no-no. So we were like, you know, and maybe my rules may be a little bit different. But that's the rule we had. And I had to live under that. And I remember going with my friends to the movie theater. And we were there to see, I can't believe I remember the movie, Iron Eagle 2. For those of you who are like 40 and above, you're like, that was the dumbest movie ever. I don't know. I never saw it because here's what happened. Um, we went to see, and a few of my friends, a couple of them are like, hey, let's ditch this movie and go see this other one. And I was like, well, I don't know. What's the other one? And they're like, well, here's what it is. And I was like, well, I, instantly I knew. I, um, no, no, don't be that guy. Don't say anything. So I was like, uh, sure, that'd be cool. And it's Child's Play, which was like the first horror movie I ever saw. And I remember sitting in the back, like third row from the back, and like in the first five minutes, this guy like transfers his soul to a doll, and I'm like, I should not be here. Lightning is going to strike me. I didn't even have popcorn. I couldn't eat. My stomach was a mess. And I remember getting home, and my parents were like, how was the movie? It was awesome! Best movie ever! And, you know, we talked a little bit, and we, like, have dinner, and then she's, like, pass the potatoes. I'm like, doll? I never said anything about a doll. And they're like, I just want the potatoes. Just hand me the potatoes. And I'm like, oh, okay. Here. And so, you know, for, like, a week, right, it just gnawed at me. Listen, that was a simple thing. Have you ever had that happen in life for you? Maybe a little bit deeper. Where you knew and you were in the wrong. And, and what you chose was the path of concealment. For me, that's what I did. And for about a week, week and a half or so, I did that. I finally, I could not stand it. It was bugging me so much. I came clean, faced with you know, a few simple consequences, not that really big deal. And, and I learned from that. And I thought, that would be a great preacher story someday. So, um, there it is. Thanks, Dad. It wasn't the last time, though that I would choose the path of concealment, cover-up, silence. My hunch is you probably have some experience with that too. When it comes to our faults and our failures, our screw-ups, we instinctively want to cover things up, don't we? I never had to teach my kids how to do that. Did you? No. All the parents in the room are like, wow, they do that really well instinctively. Why? Because we crave that. The pattern goes all the way back to the very beginning of humanity. When we chose our way and said, God, we don't like your way, and we're going to do it our way, and then we're found out, and what's the first thing we do? We hide. 
And hiding takes on a lot of different forms, but people hide. They did it back then, they do it today. You do it. That day, all of humanity learned how to look over its shoulder, how to try and hide, how to say one thing and mean another, how to disguise fear and deceit behind a fake smile. And you know how to do it, don't you? Just a bit more maneuvering, just a little bit more management, and I'll be able to keep this under wraps. I'll be able to keep it hidden. I'll be able to sweep it under the rug, if you will. But every single time, we can't seem to get rid of it. It just gnaws at us. And if your past isn't in your past, it's really messing with your present, right? How many of you have swept your floors before? Maybe you have hardwood floors. You get out the sweeping, right? Dustpan, you do that thing, maybe the back porch, and you're sweeping, right? And you get up to the dustpan, you get it all in there, and you dump, you look back, and there's like one line, right? And then you're like, man, one line. I should just quit. No, I'm an American. I'm going to finish this. And so you go back down, and you sweep it again, right? And you dump it, and you look back down, there's a line. I'm like, man. So you do it again. You come from a different angle. You get a different dustbin. And, and you look down and what? The line's still there. Look, there's a word for that. It's called thrust. It's a combination between frustration and dust, I think. I don't know. It's a true word. I didn't make that up. You can look it up. Some of you will Google it right now. Um, but uh, it's from Satan. And uh, it's really annoying. And it's really irritating. And here's... We can do a lot of that with our lives, right? We just go, finally, you give up and you just kick it across. You kind of spread it out. And listen, people do that with their life too, don't they? They try to clean things up, try to sweep it up, try to put it under the rug. And finally, they can't do anything with this last little bit. They can't seem to get rid of it. So they just sweep it under the rug. They try to maneuver and manage in a way that people won't know, right? Our sin and our brokenness is a lot like that sometimes. And why is that? Well, maybe one reason is we, we want to appear perfect. I mean, think about our culture. There isn't a magazine you look at that isn't airbrushed. So many people, myself included at times, just want to airbrush our life, right? Some of you in business, when it really gets tough, everything in you says, look, I'll, just, I'll fudge on this number just this once. Because I've got to have it, maybe you're in sales, and it's like, I just, it'll be okay. It'll just be once, but pretty soon once turns into a pattern, and, and, and you can't seem to quit, and the, the thrust is still there. You know, in athletes, you know, you just got to win. You got to be number one. You got to be the best. And so we inject so we can impress. Why? Because we got to be perfect. There's, in our culture, this pressure of perfectionism. And you're a victim of it. And listen, I am too. That's why we post the best pictures. That's why we Photoshop. And pretty soon we end up Photoshopping our life. And here's the mantra of the unwritten code. You show your best and you hide the rest. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the world in which we live? It's awful advice to try to navigate an entire life in living in existence like that. And God says there's a better way. There is the path of concealment and cover-up and silence and neglect and just try to keep it under wraps and sweep it under the rug, but there's also a different path. There's one God calls us to say, look, you can find hope when you begin to try to live this unhidden, authentic kind of life. And that's what I want to look at. So in 
in Psalm 32, David writes this. David is, uh, you know a lot about him. He's the great king of Israel. And he writes about this even before some of his mess-ups. He's got a great resume. I mean, he's got a great resume. He's also got some great mistakes on that resume, doesn't he? If you know anything about his life, you know that he knows the path of concealment. He knows the path of cover-up. He's been down that road. He knows the destruction that it causes. But luckily for us, he also knows the path of confession. And that's what he's trying to teach us in Psalm 32. He says how freeing confession is, how confession moves us toward the healing and hope of God, that the path of living an unhidden, authentic life is the kind of life you want, that confession is far greater than concealment, David would say. Confession leads to forgiveness and freedom. It's concealment that begins to lead to bondage and bitterness, things you don't want. So here's what he says, Psalm 32. I'll just read it to us, unpack it a little bit, share a couple thoughts. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Here's what he says. Oh, what joy for those whose rebellion is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for whose record the Lord is cleared of sin. Listen, who lives, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Wow. That's the kind of life you want, isn't it? But it's a tough life to get. When I refused to confess my sin, he said, my body wasted away. I groaned. It was like it's just gnawing at me. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. We know about that. Finally, I confessed my sins to you. And listen, I stopped trying to hide. I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. You forgave me, and my guilt is gone. Why do we need to confess? Why do we need to choose that path? David says, it's because it's for your sake. It's for your benefit. It's for your blessing. Sometimes I think we confess, we kind of equate confession to, it's sort of for God's sake. Like, you know, God's a little ticked off, and if we just say, hey, we're sorry, then he'll kind of leave us alone. And that's not the truth. The truth is, confession's for you. It's not about appeasing God. It's about releasing you. It's about releasing you to live life with him and restore relational connection with him and with others as you begin to practice the unhidden, authentic life in your relationships, confessing that one to another when you've wronged someone. And you don't try to hide it. It's about restoring relational connection one to another and you with God. It's about owning that and stepping into that. There is a blessing for you. What joy it is for you whose disobedience is forgiven. What joy it is. David said, this is the path you want. Confessing brings blessing. Living that path and choosing that and saying, this is the way I want to live. When you begin to live and say, I want to have an authentic life before God, the best I know how, and I'm not going to be perfect at it, but I want to learn to keep short accounts with God. And I want to learn to keep short accounts with the people around me, that I don't carry stuff. Because when your past isn't in your past, it's just being carried around and messing with your present. And David's saying there's a different way. Authenticity is a valuable commodity in life with God and life with others. It's why every single one of us in here craves it. And we recognize it when it's gone. We want it because it's so real. 
David understands that we have a tendency that we like to hide too much and that our fundamental problem is a spiritual problem. He says we've got to deal with that with God. See, confession isn't doing something about your sin. Rather, it means admitting that I can't do anything about it, but Jesus took care of it for me. And so I'm going to own that. I'm going to live. When I refused to confess, I had it just gnawing at me, David said. It just, it stayed there. I couldn't escape it. See, there's no other way to find healing from your past other than being honest about your past. You have to learn to be honest. And if we all are okay with the fact that we're really not okay, and we don't have to be perfect, we are welcomed into God's presence by His grace, not our merit. And God says, you can come and hang out with me. I got the welcome mat. Here it is. And it's not because of what you do. I know you're not perfect. I can see you. But I like you anyway. Come hang out with me. We recognize that we are forgiven people, that we are people who are in process. There's always a next step for us. I think that's why Jesus so clearly desires for us to do community differently than maybe the way the world kind of portrays this is how you relate one to another. In fact, he had some harsh words. He said in Matthew chapter 23, he says words like this, speaking to some religious leaders, some people who thought they had it all together. He says to them, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled in the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look righteous, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy. God is concerned about our inner life because it's within our inner life where we choose which path we'll take. It's within the inner life of our heart where we choose which path we'll take. Jesus says, in my community, in the church, we're going to do things differently. We're going to honor confession and brokenness and sin more than the appearance of inner vulnerability and impressiveness. Confession is far greater than concealment. Friend, God knows. He knows about you. And he likes you anyway. In fact, he loves you. And he wants to have an authentic, real relationship with you. And it's what you desire to have with the people around you. So don't hide. Come out of hiding and say, God, I just want to be real the best I know how. And I know there's probably things in me you need to chip away at and work on. And that's all right. But sometimes we're our own worst enemies. We beat ourselves up. We short-circuit the work of God in our lives because of choices we make. And then we pull out the red card and say, well, I'm done. I'm out. I'll go sit on the sidelines. God can't use me. I'm not perfect. I've messed up. I keep messing up. We, we play the if-onlys. If only I was smarter. If only I could do this. If only I knew this more. If only I was more servant-minded. And God uh, reminded me this week of a real simple verse that was really freeing to me. Uh, in Psalm 103, one of the great passages um, that speak about our benefits in God, in a relationship with Him, you can read it. Tucked right in the middle is this verse. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. Listen, for He knows how you were formed. He remembers that you're dust. God remembers you're not perfect. The pressure of perfectionism isn't coming from Him. 
it's okay to not be okay. Because God is more than okay. And He is enough. And that is freeing. And that enables us to say, I can come and live a confessed life, an open life, an unhidden life, an authentic life. Here's what I wrote. What we try to cover up, God will uncover. What we uncover, God will cover over with His grace. Confession is far greater. We have a deep value here at Elements that we preach and talk a lot about. Progress is greater than perfection because perfection never exists. And it's about progress. It's about helping people take their next step in their spiritual journey. And you have a next step. What is it? And I promise you, if you live in the path, you choose the path of of cover-up and concealment, you don't get to take your next step. You're stuck. You took yourself out of the game. But if you live with this notion of, I want to live this unhidden, authentic life the best I know how, then you get to be in the game, taking the next step with a God who loves you. I love how David ends this passage. He says in verse 7, For you are my hiding place. What was he saying earlier? I, I kept hidden. I hid. And now he's totally flipped that around. He says, God, you're my hiding place. You are where I can securely be. And I can be the real me. Wouldn't you want to live that way? I want to be the real me. He goes from hiding living into finding security, and he's surrounded by songs of what? Victory. Victory. Why? Because you're forgiven. You're set free. The lying schemes, they're forgiven. The lustful thoughts, they're forgiven. The self-seeking manipulation, they're forgiven. The religious hypocrisy, they're forgiven. Your selfishness, forgiven. Your guilt, your shame, the stuff you've been carrying around since 2013 and 2012 and 2011, it's forgiven. So choose the path of that. Choose the path to say, I want to live this life where I'm, I'm open and honest. Now, you don't have to do that with everybody. You do that with trusted people. That's why we have e-groups. That's why we have this life where we say, hey, it's better to live this connected life than this surrounded life. And you can find out more about those groups at the Hub tonight. But we want people to live in community where they can actually be known and the walls can come down a little bit and they can be real and be accepted. Because we're, uh, we all need to get to the point that uh, none of us are okay in here and it's okay to not be okay. Because God is more than okay and He is enough. And we can live in the freedom of that. That's why we take communion every week. And in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to do that now. Um, We didn't plan for all of you. And so I've prayed that Jesus would multiply it. Um, I don't know if that will happen or not. It's not fish. Um, But I'm going to invite you if you want. Uh, We've got communion down here on my left and my right over here. We'll have a couple worship songs and just invite you as we close in that uh, to take that at any point uh, and to just to make that a moment maybe between you and God. Maybe you're here and you're like, I, I need that. I need to remember that the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus offers me forgiveness. It offers me a fresh start. It offers me an opportunity and a hand up to say, I can walk the unhidden, authentic life and I can choose that path because I'm forgiven. And because I can walk in his assurance. The cross is the greatest cover-up story in history. And by cover-up, I mean in the positive. I mean it in a godly, divine way. 
where God covers up our mistakes, our missteps, our sin, our rebellion, our brokenness. And he says, here's this great exchange. My life for yours. My grace for your brokenness. And you get to walk in that. It's the ultimate cover over in all of life. Jesus took the concealment attempts of me. And he said, I'll I'll, I'll take those. And you can have this. And it's way better. Thanks be to him. That's who we sing about. That's why we want to choose to live this authentic life that says, God, I want to know you. And I want to help make you known. And I just, I want to take my next step. And here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Is I know the reality. Is that uh, as we sing these songs, and as we have some space here, uh, don't walk out of here without having a moment, just you and God. God, where am I at? Which path am I more frequently taking? And why? What's driving that? And, and what would it look like to choose maybe the path of confession? So I just want to pray for you. Uh, we're going to worship a couple songs, and we'll close out tonight. We'll have a couple closing remarks. So glad to have you here. And so, Father, I just pray for us that we would be a people that uh, are open to what you want to do in these next few moments, what you want to challenge us with here in your word, that that just says, hey, we want to choose maybe a different path. And so would you maybe speak to each one of us individually, to us corporately? God, we love you. can't believe. It's unbelievable that you chose us first. But that's what love does. It sacrifices, it gives, and you gave to us that we might have life with you. So would you help us to take our next step? Maybe nudge us a little bit tonight, what that might be as we worship you. We pray to you. God, we love you. Amen. Mm -hmm.